love you. Ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again, so please won't you just come on in and sit with us here on the couch. I am the Green Travel from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon, much closer to the Green Traveler today. Yeah, I really blew your ear off on that one. <laughs> Not quite blew it off, but I feel like I maybe both of ear. us are projecting more than we do need to. No, I scream all the time. Do you? Yeah, I'm a screamer. Well, I, I'm thinking, like, maybe... Because it was, like, right when we decided to record, both of us started putting on, honestly, a different voice. I always do that, yeah. It's a personality. Yes. And, and Well, right. Sure, yeah. Per, our persona, whatever. Yeah. But also, weird. just... We're just more projected. We're just more on voice, which is good. Like, it's healthy for our, our throats and whatever. But... I was just thinking maybe we're doing that because we're talking over the phone, but maybe it makes a better recording as well. Who knows? That's but yeah. what you're implying is that we're in the same room, everybody. Yeah, we finally got a special episode where our schedules lined up. Well, I'm having so many technical difficulties that this was just a better option for us. <laughs> yeah, it was, and uh, I think it's gonna. It might change our sound quality a little bit, but we're working on other solutions. And uh, if you want to help us figure out our solutions, you know, if you feel that you are able uh, to pledge to us some funds, please visit us at patreon.com slash greenfaceless and anything you could offer would be much appreciated. Yeah. You can also like us or uh, leave us feedback and comments or rate us on Apple Podcasts or any of the, you know, comment and everything on any of the other streaming services wherever you found us. Yeah. We're on YouTube, too. Yeah. We're everywhere. We're global. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today, we have a special episode in many ways. Not only are we in the same room, but we're introducing a new recurring, hopefully recurring, segment on the show. Oh. Yes. Titled Green Ketchup. Mm. A long time ago, two years ago, uh, when I pitched the idea of a podcast initially, it was... uh, only centered around my desire to review new movies because that's all I you know going to the theater was a weekly thing it was was something I loved doing I loved the theater and if you had told me two years ago that going to the theater would be an anxiety inducing nightmare today yeah I would not believe you and like I still do love the theater but yeah it's it's a pain to go there now and be enclosed in a room with all of the, like, I, I just got, I, I forgot how slobby people were. Like, <laughs> it really, yeah. like, going there, it just bothers me some more because it's like, I'm sitting there, I'm masked because I don't get refreshments. I just go and watch the film because I'll eat beforehand and I might right. drink a little bit beforehand. But, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll get there and I just watch the fucking movie. I let it immerse me. If I'm digging into a popcorn bucket or pouring, like, Reese's Pieces down my throat, not a sponsor. But, like, if I were doing that, I wouldn't be watching the movie. I'd just be like, oh, God, this tastes good. You know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be immersed. And, like, I, I'm the kind of guy that likes to get immersed. So, yeah, going there now, is it's weird because I'm just I'm sitting there and everybody around me is just chomping their popcorn. And, like, they even slurp their sodas. Like, nobody, yeah. nobody's just like, it's, it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, why? Like. That's gross. So this is really delayed, but um, about the Reese's Pieces, that you are an E.T. You're not E.T. So <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's so right. That's why we're not sponsored by Reese's. Exactly. We're just two government runaways. We can't have sponsors yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, but, you know, we got an ad break waiting for them. Someday. Someday it'll happen. But the green ketchup, what happens with that is that uh, sometimes... You know, I'm, I'm, even though I don't, even though I, I still love the theaters and I want to go back to the theaters, it's not going to happen all the time. And it definitely can't happen. We just don't have the money for it. We don't have no. the money. Our schedules are rough for it. But there will be a movie occasionally that'll come out that it won't be streamable. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to have to go see it. And one of those movies was Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. I just, I had to. I love Edgar Wright. He's a great director, baby driver. Uh, originally was supposed to do Ant-Man, but it got scrapped from that. 
wonderful. I really like his his writing, and this is his first horror film, I think. I don't think he's done a horror movie, and it's a psychological horror, and you know how much I love those. They're fun. Yeah. It was co-written with uh, Christy Wilson Cairns. Cairns? Cairns. Cairns. And it's about Thomas McKenzie. Thomasin McKenzie. Uh, she's from Jojo Rabbit. Um, she's amazing in this. Like, amazing performance by Thomasin. Uh, but she is a young woman who goes to uh, Paris, I think. It's, I think it's Paris. She wants to design dresses. And that everything. might make sense. Yeah, I think it is Paris. That might make sense. Right. And you you learn early on, and it's, it's not really explained or explored, that she has a connection with the dead. So she, her mother, before the events of this film, and like in the first five minutes you see this, her mother committed suicide. And this was years ago, apparently, before the events. And Thomas and Mackenzie's character sees her mother in the mirror and can have conversations with her. Mother never says anything, but like she'll, she'll like, hey, I'm going to do this decision. Her mother will nod or something. And like they might have had like verbal conversations, but we don't see that. It, it's not explored. They don't explain it. Like, Edgar Wright, just let that oh. be. It is just a, an aspect of her character that, you know, she can look in the mirror, I guess, and see the dead. Um, but when she goes to Soho, through a long chain of events with the uh, the other students that she is with, she decides, I don't want to live with these people. She goes out and seeks her own housing. And she finds this room at the top of this this old lady's house. She's, she lets leases out a room at the very top. And whenever Thomasin goes to sleep in that new room, she enters the 1960s world through the eyes what? of Anya Taylor-Joy's character. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Anya Taylor-Joy the whole time. No, Thomas and, <laughs> this is all Thomas and Mackenzie. You and, said that. Yeah. That just went over me. <laughs> yeah, so she, she goes back. Whenever she dreams, it's, it's just always through the eyes of Anya Taylor-Joy. And she experiences... Uh, 1960s Soho uh, of London, of Paris or wherever <laughs> <laughs> but she experiences this world and it's amazing you know she's she's always idolized this time period that is that is you know that is her you know as much as I love like Doctor Who and like the old 70s time hers was the fashion industry of the 60s and it's just it's amazing to watch her explore this world and learn what it was really about. And that's where the psychological horror starts taking place. You learn how women were treated in that time period. It That in and of itself is frightening. Yeah. And then more aspects start coming into play. It becomes like a regular old mystery because it, you the whole time... And I don't want to talk too much about it because I highly recommend going to see it. But it, it's a very strong message about the treatment of women in the entertainment industry and or not in the entertainment industry, even just the, the, the fashion and the fashion industry and how it's still going on too. Like, cause they kind of, they do a decent job comparing it to the modern day time. But I, that's where I feel like the movie is weakest is in its comparison to modern day. It very much does just become the story of Annie Taylor joy uh, for her okay. character. So let me ask you, does she become the, main protagonist when Anya Taylor-Joy's character goes to sleep? No. So it's 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 just when uh, Thomas... So they're just kind of like dreams. They're kind of like flashbacks kind of thing. So it's whenever Thomasin is asleep, she'll see this and then if something scary happens or whatever, she'll wake up. You know, it's like uh-huh. a nightmare kind of thing. I don't want to give any kind of examples because a lot of them are spoilers. But like, right. there will be things that happen in the past that you know, as a... If you're having a nightmare it would wake you up. And so it's, it's, that's how they kind of pull it off. Okay. And then there are some moments too, just to uh, uh, spoil this, where you'll have like the double dream kind of thing where she wakes up and then there's still the dream going on. So it, it starts to become very psychological. Oh, sure. It, it starts sure. messing with you. And well, I, I love that. I'm excited to see it then eventually. Yeah. The, the, the only thing, the issue, the big issue is the ending. There is a, uh, there is a huge strong message and the, the ending might mess with that message a bit. <laughs> I think it works. I really liked it. I enjoyed how they pulled it off. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, the message still stands. And the ending is just a sad, bittersweet, psychological horror, uh, you know, thing. You know, it just happens. And yeah, I highly recommend it. I give it three stars. 
Yeah, that's that. That is last night. And so, uh, also, uh, I say it's the last. That's the last thing. There's one more thing, and it is the the how they filmed it. Because when she's in those dream sequences, it Thomason will always be in the mirror. So whenever oh, Anya yeah. Taylor Joy like walks in front of a mirror or something, she there's there's Thomas and McKenzie's character, and there's this one dance number scene, and Matt Smith is in the show too, Doctor Who, woo, love <laughs> it. But there's one scene with Matt Smith and Anya Taylor Joy where they're dancing, where most of it was all done in camera, where Thomason would just switch out with Anya during the dance. Oh, wow. and it becomes very dreamlike and using his back as edit points. Yeah, it, it was all there's only I, I only think there's two spots where they cut. Like, and it's a long scene. Like, it, 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 I think it was all done in camera where, like, he would just Wait. twirl them around and, like, he would work her, like, twirl her out of the camera range and then, and you know, the and then scene. grab the other and bring her into the camera. Yeah, it was, uh, I've, I've watched, pretty cool. yeah, I've watched a lot of interviews where Annie and Taylor Joy was just like, yeah, and it's just like, you, you started remembering the beats where you had to do this and it was like, okay, run around these three, uh, cameramen and then like jump back into the screen here. You know, it's, it was oh, really cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really well choreographed. And it was just all amazing. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I will say when I watched that, the ending play out, I was a little bit like, oh no. But I think going back on it, I will like it more. So it, yeah. Hmm. Three stars. Cool. Cool. Well, I, I I'm excited to watch it. I also enjoy Anya Taylor Joy and Thomason McKenzie. McKenzie, uh, remind me. I feel like we've talked about her just not that long ago. Um, I don't. The only thing I can remember her in is Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Well, I haven't seen that one. So. Yeah. That's that's all I think. I don't think I wrote anything else down that she was in. Yeah, that's all I wrote down with Jojo. Oh wow. Well. What are we here? We're also still talking about new movies. Yeah. Remind me what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Dune. Oh, God. And Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yes, it's going to be a long title. Yeah. Well, you know, though, Dune, you know, that's just one word. Yeah. And we could really just call the other one Shang-Chi. <laughs> yeah, we could, but I'm gonna add all the that's right uh, other words. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the sad thing too is uh, as much as I say that I you know rushed out to see last night in Soho, I only did that because there was no streaming option. And with Dune, I really wanted to see that in theater. I did really want to see it in theaters and I, too. I highly recommend it if you haven't if you haven't watched it on HBO Max, go out and watch it on theaters. The only reason I chose to watch it on the couch. And I feel like a hypocrite because I did it. Uh, but the only reason was because I don't have money. Yeah. I'm... And Denis Villeneuve, the director, announced that the sequel has been greenlit. Yeah. And I was worried it wasn't going to make its money back. Yeah. I was so worried because Blade Runner 2049 was one of my favorite fucking movies of that year. And it was, it's still one of my favorite movies. It was so good. And it was a box office flop. Nobody went to see it. Right. And this definitely has that same feel. Yeah. Where, where it's just a, an artist and a sci-fi epic and nobody in between them. Right. It's, it's great. There, um, you know, I'll, I'll have to remember to try, to try to talk about this after we've talked about the actual films, but there are surprisingly a lot of similarities between these two stories. Like, a lot. So, you know, we got, you know, our underdog shogun kind of character in each of yeah. the protagonists but their families are both from two different factions yep and there's also giant long beasts <laughs> snake or worm like it's true <laughs> and they're both they're both like raised knowing that they have like a destiny of power yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and both trained yeah 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 in different, very different ways. Yes, definitely, definitely. So let's um, let's talk about Dune, Dune first. Yeah, Dune I watched one. it first. Yeah, Dune Part One. Oh my god! Like I, I again, I'm biased going in. Denis Villeneuve, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. I've, I've so many times I've tried to pronounce, uh, like watch pronunciation videos of him, and it's, it just keeps slipping in my mind. But I believe it's Villeneuve. Uh, but he's one of my favorite directors in the game. He is so fucking good. And, and the reason is because he, he, you can tell it's his vision. 
the movie is his. Mm. And he does not let any kind of scope stop him from going for it. So, like, he's the guy who did Arrival, which we both fucking oh, yeah. loved. It was great. Yeah. And, like, you have a penchant for language and, uh, like, specifically just, like, language structure. And, that like, that right. whole movie is about that, like, yeah. learning to communicate. Yeah. I actually read the, the short story yeah. for that. So, when I heard uh, what the storyline for the movie was going to be, I got so excited. And I was telling everybody. And I... And... They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then when I heard that they did go and watch the movie, they really liked it. So, yeah. Didn't go. And that short story is written by uh, Ted Chiang. Chiang. Yes. Uh, highly recommend that because, yeah, you, you recommend it to me. It's not called Arrival. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't remember either. I think the, the short story collection that it's in is now called Arrival or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend because yeah, you you recommend it to me. I read it immediately and was like, "Yep, that's everything I wanted it to be." It was a damn good story. And there's even another. There's another story in there too. Was that the Tower of Babel up story? Yeah, I think okay. it is the same guy. Yeah. That's a really good story as well. Yeah, really interesting. And Secret review of Arrival. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Someday we'll have to do it. But Dune Part One is it's very similar to Arrival, where it's just this epic world. That he builds, he he's on this. Uh, I can't remember the planet's name. I'm so sorry. I know people. Oh know. shit! Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can't just. I'll just put in planets of Dune. Here we go, people. Arrakis. Arrakis yes. is the. It's the desert planet. Yes, where where the spice is. So spice is very important. Yeah. You know why, Greeny? Uh, no, all I, I know is it either. turns you into an Aryan. Oh, does it? Kind of. Like, it gives you, uh, I mean, it doesn't make you blonde hair, and it definitely gives you, like, bright oh, blue That's eyes. right. It does. If you are saturated, or saturated with spice, your eyes turn blue. And, like, you can use it to, like, see the future and stuff, too. But anyways, it also, like, I don't know, is, like, a power supply yeah, or it's, something? Yeah, it's kind of, like, uh, it, it's kind of just, like, this very important element to these people, the Fremen. And yes. then, you know, <laughs> as we do, capitalists came in and were just like, hey, we can make money off of this. Yes. And so, yeah, it is, I think it's how they use to to travel through space. I think it's they I use think it so as the, their fuel source. I think also their navigators use it yeah, yeah. to help them get to places. And I know people are going to be mad. I've read the book once and, like, I was not a fan. And I know, I'm sorry, I, I very, I've I tried it. I haven't even tried. <laughs> I, I've tried so many times, and like I, I think I have all of the books in the series, including the ones where his son took over. Sadly, but it's it. it, it I love the world building of it. I love the scope of the sci-fi world. It's an in the interesting book. world. Yeah, it's just the book is so dry, and it's it's all about you know it's it's that male hero character. You know, you see it everywhere. It's just like you mm. are destined for greatness, right? Like, so, so much so that he is the only male who was allowed to learn the ways of the all-female uh, Bene Jesuit order. Yeah. And, and I do know a couple of my friends who were trying to get into Dune, and they they themselves are, are, are women, and they're like... That's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why does the 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 white boy get to? <laughs> yeah, he's the chosen one. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is bullshit. Yeah, I I and I completely understand that. Yeah. Um, I do think that you know they don't. It's not that they don't do that in this movie because it. What I mean, yeah. that's the story. What are you gonna do? They don't fix it. They don't fix it. But I think that they try to make it a little bit better by making a pretty decent co- character out out of his mom. Yeah. Um. So I think we should set up a little bit more what's going on here. So there's this empire with a bunch of different species and planets in it. Uh, and they have taken over uh, Arrakis. Arrakis for the spice supply. And uh, the people who were making that happen that were the wardens of this planet or the Harkonnen clan, I think, or family, which included Dave Bautista and yeah. uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, man. Amazing. So, yeah, they both did, honestly, really good. I, I, just there's, they're hardly in the movie at all. I'm sure that I feel like Stellan's, be yeah, more in the, the second part. 
Probably not that much more. Um, Stalin's performance, though, was just brilliant. He is, uh, yeah. His character is just this fat baron who he just eats. Yes. All he does is he eats. And, like, I think there's not a single moment where he's not eating something in this film. Yeah. And, he, yeah, he is just gross and commanding and and frightening at times. There's one scene Definitely. in particular where he, like, hovers and floats above right. the table. So they're not human, the Harkonnen. No. They're not human at all. And uh, they are super pasty and hairless. Yeah. That's, that's how I'll describe them. And I think bigger than average, which is supposed to be represented by Dave Bautista. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't really like. I feel like he does good in this film, but like yeah. all he kind of does is just look befuddled. He gets angry at his uncle, yeah. played by Stellan, yeah, the Baron. Dave Bautista's character's name is Beast Robin Harkonnen. Yeah, and I think Beast is probably like his uh, like a title, right? Yeah, I, I can believe that because he's the Baron's nephew. Yeah, uh, and he looks. I, I think there were scenes where he was leading like battal- battalions and shit. Yeah, like that. yeah, he's definitely some kind of like commander. Yeah. So, anyhow, the Empire decided to pull the duty away from the Harkonnens, right? Mm-hmm. And they gave it to the Atreides, who are a human family, which the Duke. Uh, Duke Leto Artreides, played by Oscar Isaac, which he does an awesome job too. Oh, yeah. but, Beautiful. Oh man, his last scene is is great in yeah. the movie. But he is the father of Paul, the the superhero guy that we were talking about, the chosen one, the chosen one, and his wife. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I don't even think we said that Timothy Chalamet plays Paul yeah. Atreides. So he's Great job, Timothy. I'm happy. Yeah, like, I'm so happy job. how big his career is getting. Because mm-hmm. like, I think the first movie I saw, it might not have been, but like, uh, Call Me By Your Name, I think might have been the first one I saw him in. And then, right. uh, and then from there, it was just like, oh, Little Women, and now, oh, yeah. <laughs> I did one. like him as Little Women. He was yeah. really good in that role. I thought he's been really good in everything. Like, just amazing yeah, he's, actor. Did it's not the same guy who did uh, Henry V. I'm not sure. I don't know if I've... Okay. That, I thought it was a pretty good interpretation. It wasn't the play. Yeah. Which is what I thought it was. I don't think I've seen it, though. Uh, well, okay. There, his mother, who we did mention, uh, Lady Jessica Artreides, is played by Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. And she's a pretty cool character. And, and they really beefed her up to it from the book, from what I remember. Well, that's probably good. Because, well, she does cool things, uh, for sure. Like, there's this really cool scene... Uh, with her, when her and Timothy are in trouble, yeah, uh, that she, you know, uses her Bene Gesuit powers. Yeah, they call it the voice. The voice. That's yeah, right. They, they, it takes on an ominous tone. They can command people. And it's Tim- very D and D. Timothy, Timothy though is not good at it. He still has like very, you know, he has a weak modifier, low right. rolls, <laughs> you know. But like Rebecca, like holy crap! That that was one of my favorite scenes was watching her work on those guys. Yeah, it was amazing. So there's a, a bunch of other really interesting characters, including Jason Momoa, who plays Duncan Idaho. Yeah, which, people love them, Duncan Idaho. Yeah, which I really thought that was a weird, weird name. And you mentioned at one point that you thought maybe he was just added to that to the old movie, yeah. but he's in all the books. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, it seems like I was like, I don't know if that would be a name in that book. I don't remember. <laughs> and then I pull up the I just Google search and it was just like, Duncan Idaho is the only character to appear in all Dune novels. I'm right. Like, okay. Then. <laughs> so anyhow, I think it makes a little bit more sense now that I found out today that the this galaxy. It and this point in time in this galaxy is far in our universe's future. Like their their relate their religion is like based in like a bunch of different modern day religions now that all mix together. Yeah, under the Orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> I don't know. That's not really mentioned in the movie like at all. I don't right. Think. It might. It's probably in the book somewhere, or maybe yeah. one of the the spinoffs. I have sequels, no idea. I, mean. I have no idea. Yeah, but I loved Jason Momoa in this. He was really good. Uh, the him and uh, 
Paul, Timothy Chalamet, they have a great relationship. Yeah. Cause, I mean, Paul has a good relationship with his father. It is very, it is, it's a relationship that's very hindered by the, the power you, dynamic. Yeah. The, the stigma of, you know, what you have to be as a lord for, you know, how you have to treat your kids. Like, Leto, Oscar Isaac is a great dad, but he is a duke. He has to be a leader. You know, he has to think about right. his people first. So it's there's busy, busy duking it up. Yeah, exactly. So he, there, there's just like there's a coldness between him and Paul. Even though there's a lot of love, there's just this this bit of like I'm sorry, I can't just always be there for you as the father. And that's where Jason Momoa's character Duncan Idaho kind of steps up. Is like he is kind of that uh, fun father figure, yeah. uh, along with Gurney Halleck, yeah. played by Josh Brolin. They both are his trainers, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if Duncan is Fremen or if he just has a really good relationship with the Fremen. Yeah, I feel like he was sent out to scout, I think, and right. just like, like, just like, like the people so much and like <laughs> fit in so well that he kind of right. became somewhat Fremen. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll get more into that in the next movie. We'll yeah. see. Who knows? Yeah, because that is the big thing. Is this was it's Dune Part One? They did a Dave uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve was like very adamant that they market it as Dune Part One, and the producers were like, "No, you know, it's like we will not market it as that. It will be Dune because we're not going to greenlit a sequel yet. You know, we don't want to we don't want to put all of our money into this guy who lost right. hundreds of millions at the box office with Blade Runner." And so, yeah, a lot of people might have might be going into this film and then see the title screen pop up where it says Dune Part One and be like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fair warning to that. Uh, the ending is not the end of the story, and no. you will definitely feel that way. It's the just end. the beginning. Um. So, yeah, and one more thing about Jason Momoa in this movie. At one point. Randomly, his face is shaved. <laughs> yeah. Just, and, and I don't know if, like, there was, like, a quick scene where they cut. Like, he came he came back from the desert. Yeah. And I think somebody said, dude, you smell. And then he got, goes and cleans up, and he comes back with no beard on. Yeah. And it, he, he looks like a completely different person. Just totally rocked me. I was just like, wait, that's Jason. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you know, he still has all of Jason Momoa's tattoos. Yeah. So, like, eventually I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it really threw me. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I- I've been thinking about it. I think it was just kind of a shot at Henry Cavill and DC. <laughs> where it's just like, guys, we don't fucking care if facial changes happen. Just shoot Superman with a mustache. It's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, don't so give us mustache skate. <laughs> Of a mustache. Yeah, Jason Momoa just got, got a rash on his chin or something, came in the next day shaving. He's like, Denis, I'm so sorry. And he's like, dude, that's fine. I'll roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. I can work with a shave, Jason. Why not? Why not? <laughs> and honestly, I think, like, I, I mean, honestly, the second half, half of his scenes were great. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't hold Jason back. <laughs> no. Not at all. He doesn't need facial hair to be a good actor. <laughs> I, I think there's only one other actor I do want to talk about, and that's uh, Zendaya. Yeah. She's only in it for like five yeah, minutes. Yeah, if you were expecting Zendaya to be in this movie a lot, like, so she is in the movie periodically through the movie, through the movie but yeah. she is not really. She's just a she's just a, an image that Paul sees. Yes. And she's like a figure in his dreams. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad because I was wanting more Zendaya. Yeah, but I, I like Zendaya a lot. I read that part two will be from her perspective, apparently, which is hugely different cool. from the books. Cool. So, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. She plays a Shawnee. She is a, a member of the Fremen, I believe. Yes. I don't, I don't know if he actually meets her at the end. Uh, yes, he does. Okay. I couldn't remember if she was part of the group of Fremen that Paul comes across. Yes. I think they share a paragraph of dialogue together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's the end of the movie, like We're quite done. literally. Uh, was she with them? Yeah, she yeah. was with them. I think because I think she was mad about a certain thing he does. I don't want to spoil any of the story because I highly recommend going. See yeah, this. yeah, I think um, this is a good place for closing statements. Honestly, yeah. I mean, 
So here's the thing. When I grade films, there's like an initial reaction. Then there's like, you know, I've had many days to think on it, which usually the reaction changes. So like a film that is a four star in two or three weeks, I might look back and be like, eh, it's probably more of a three and a half, you right. know? Right. But when I finished watching Dune, I was blown away. The yeah. spectacle was amazing. It carries all of Denis Villeneuve's style that I just fucking long for. There's so many good, just scope, uh, just epic scope shots where you just see this world. The music is beautiful. It's by Hans Zimmer, of course. He's got to do the soundtrack for everything. Like, amazing. Uh, the cinematography is Greg, uh, Grieg Fraser. Greg Fraser. Uh, I don't know specifically any of his other work, but like, seriously, all around, technically, yeah. This is a beautiful and perfect fucking film. And in the story, I really like the story. I like what happens. I like all the action. I right. love how they handle it. In my opinion, they improve on the book story. Because, again, I, I couldn't stand reading the book. But this movie was so just, like, oh, mind beautiful, honestly. Yeah. It, uh, geez. The cinematography alone. Yeah. It's just awesome. And, and, you're, and you're imagining the cinematographer filming this because a lot of it is like a CGI shot. Like the, right. the world is like, you have these giant ships floating in the air and that is the shot is like, it's just, you have sand for miles and a floating ship way in the background. And just imagining the cinematographer having to think this up. It's like, thinking right. of all the layout, like amazing job, like definitely deserves, uh, nominations or appreciations. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. If this is does not win for cinematography, I, right. I'd be it's, surprised. It, it pissed me off so much when Arrival's, uh, I think his name's Bradley Young, uh, first, not the first, but uh, he could have been the first black man to win uh cinematography award, and he didn't get it for Arrival. I can't remember who won, but huh. God, it pissed me off so much. I'm just like, how did he not win for Arrival? It's such a beautiful movie. It the wasn't pretty. The fog. Yeah, exactly. That's the first image my mind goes back to is the 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 ship, the Peapod ship floating yeah. above the uh, above a valley, and then the fog rolling in. It's so beautiful. Like Denis has like a beautiful eye for his science epics, and he always gets the right cinematographer to do it. And yeah, technical basis, I was so blown away that when I finished, I gave it a four stars. I'm struggling right now you know, a week or so later, because I want to give it four stars still, but, like, I feel like it's kind of dropped to a three and a half. Okay. So, we'll leave it at that. It's somewhere in the middle of those. Like, it's it's very... It, it was a perfect score when I watched it. Right. And it's, I, it's a ride, and I, I think what's really interesting about it is that it does not feel like you just watched a three-hour movie. No. Like, and that's also because of where it ends. Like... So it just, it does not, so there's a, a really long exposition bit, I feel like, at the beginning, but it's so interesting that you're really just brought in, wrapped in with it. Mm -hmm. And then it very quickly from there rises to the, a climatic moment and just stays there for quite some time. Right. It, it, a good chunk of this movie is a sci-fi action movie. Yeah. It, it, it's just so strange to me how they managed to do that. And I think a lot of that is that epic scope shots because you're so awed by the beauty of that. You don't realize how much time is spent on it. Right. So I would give it a face. I remember also really enjoying it when I finished. So it, it, it if I watch it again, it might be a face and a half movie. I don't know. And that's always the thing too is like my, my to get a perfect score for me, it has to like touch everything I want it to. Right. You know, and, and this movie literally touched everything I wanted to, and it's got to be also reviewable or rewatchable. Right. And I've been wanting to rewatch this so hard. It's just, it's a three hour It's through, like, well, what am I going to, yeah, cut out time for it. I'll yeah. definitely rewatch it before we watch the sequel. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's easily going to be something I'll rewatch within the year. But, oh my God. So amazing. Let's, uh, let's move on from there to... Shang-Chi uh, and The Legend of the Ten Earrings. But first, should we, should we pause for a soda break? I want a soda pop, yeah. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. Thanks, man. 
I'm opening for Eagles next week. Oh, wow. Yeah. They must be desperate. They are pretty desperate. <laughs> <laughs> are we back? We could be. Yeah. Um, unless you think we could do better than that. No, that's... What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, everybody. <laughs> Ah, this is a fun one. This is crazy. Uh, Uh, Yeah. I don't know which Marvel film this is, like number 24, 25, or where it falls in the the chronology of things. I assume it falls right before Doctor Strange and the (laughs) Multiverse of Madness. You think before because Uh, they didn't show? I think before because they didn't, yeah, they didn't show uh, Doctor Strange, Strange, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. But this is uh, Marvel has, you know, they're they're opening it up. We got the... This new phase, I don't know if it's phase four, if it's phase two, or if it's story two. You know, the universe is getting confusing. Anymore. Right, right. But it's, it's, uh... I, I, real quick, I just want to say, I think it's after. I think it is, might be the most current point. Yeah. Because of, because of a very late, late scene with two characters that we know from the universe. Right. Like, they, I feel like they didn't know each other until recently. Yeah. But I, I, it's it's definitely after Endgame, I think. That's what I mean. Yeah, right, right. It's 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 a new saga, and so it's it's. I don't know if it's opening up that saga too, because I think Black Widow's technically part of this new initiative, but that definitely took place before Endgame. Right, right. I, they maybe were trying to introduce some characters or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm totally down for it because Shang Chi. Uh, I want more of him playing oh, by uh, yeah. Simu Liu, who was mostly just a stunt man before this, I believe. I, I, have, uh, I, I, I uh, He was on a four-season show called Ken's Convenience. Uh, I, oh, I did nice. a faceless pitch once. Nice. He was the uh, the brother of the main protagonist. Yeah. And uh, he had his shirt off almost as often. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good bod. Thank you, Simu. He does. I think it might be in his contract that he has to that he gets to show off. It better be. It's. uh, I mean, I did like Aqua's feeder reaction. (laughs) Right. She's like, what? Who would have known? Right. Because he's just been in a a valet uniform forever. So yeah, uh, do you want to maybe? Yeah, I'll give him a best shot. Uh, It's it's directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. <clears throat> and here's the here's the big issue going into it for me. It's written by Cretton and uh, J- Andrew Lemon, but the, the main script was written by Dave Callahan. And you might remember Dave Callahan. We've talked about him quite a lot this year. Mortal yeah. Kombat and American Motion Picture. <clears throat> America, the motion picture. Yeah, I've not been I've not been a huge fan. He was also the rewrite of Ant Man uh, from Edgar Wright. So right. I was I was very nervous going into this because I haven't really liked much of Dave Callahan's filmography or, or scriptography. What was that first thing you said though? Uh, uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. He also did Wonder Woman eighty four. That was bad. Yeah. So it's 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 yeah it's it's always been leaning towards the bad, and you know I don't know how much of influences he had over the final script. But there are some moments with the writing where I'm just like, eh. For, for, for the most part, the story's great, I think. I think it's a really great story. And, and the story is Shang-Chi is the son of, as we mentioned before, two different factions. There is Zhu Wenwu, played by uh, Tony Leung. And his mom is... Well, who's uh, mom? I believe it's Lee. Lee, yes, played by Fala Chen. And Lee is the me- uh, she is like a member of a of a of a, a village a village ta- uh, Talao a yeah mythical village was it Talo I think that's right they protect a sealed gate which in lies a soul sucking monster yes uh, and and uh, Zhu Wenwu Shang Chi's father he went in search of this village. For power, I can't remember. He's, okay, he's hundreds he's, of thousands of years old. Yeah, he's a really so, old figure. So he he found, yes, uh, ancient Chinese times, he found the Ten Rings, right. and they have kept him alive. And yes, he wanted to find the village for some reason. 
probably just because it's one thing that he hadn't done before. I don't know. He really does seem really bored by yeah, that point. Right. He's kind of he just like, there. I'm a vampire. I've been old forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, fuck this. Um, and so, but Lee is there guarding it. Yeah. And, uh, and they have this fight scene. It's a beautiful fight. Dance. Very beautiful. It reminded it's me awesome. so much of uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon, which uh, Michelle Yeoh was also in this. Then she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right. Um, she, later on, she plays Chuck uh, Chi's aunt. Very much in the third act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't really see her until then. And in that opening fight scene, though, uh, Lee and Zhu Wenwu fighting... Is like a dance. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. Everything is so well captured on camera. All of the hand movements, all of the the just the choreography is so well grabbed. Like amazing applause to all of that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I I went going like after the end of that fight scene, I was like, I'm gonna love this movie. <laughs> and then for the next ten to fifteen minutes, I'm like, all right, they lost me because then then we we flash forward to. Uh, you know, because it's, it's all explaining where Shang-Chi came from. This is right. him. Just like, I am the son of such and such. That's basically it, what It's it the exposition yeah. of him. And then all of a sudden, he's in America? Yeah, he's. I think he's in America. He's, uh, he's a valet at a hotel, parking cars, uh, with his best friend Katie, played by Aquafina. Yeah. And that's hilarious. Yeah, she's fun. The, 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 mundane, the mundanity of that world, though was what lost me because it was such a weird juxtaposition and it wasn't right. really well handled at least at first because I was I, it just it really felt flat immediately and I was like oh, I, okay. I kind of liked it personally uh, like I, I, I wanted to know how his life ended up there right and you know they do get into that obviously yeah but it, it was, it, I just I, I was just kind of bored until they got on the bus. Yeah, that's it. Was actually, no, I was bored <laughs> until the family when they got to to Aquafina's family. I kind of liked her family. Yeah, that was lost good. Fun. I hope they do come back for right. later films. And and uh, your wife mentioned this, and I also wanted to mention it was in that family scene. The grandma's like, "When are you going to get married?" And Shang Chi's like, "No, grandma, we're just friends." Right. Mitch, talking about him and uh, Aquafina, uh, uh, Katie. Yeah. And I love that. I love that it's not a romantic relationship and that they're just friends. And I sincerely hope that Yeah, that would that be way. nice. Yeah. Uh, even if they, like, bring in a, another love interest for... Totally fine. For him. Or both of them. Yeah. Totally okay. Yeah. But, like, I, I like having a male-female pairing on, like, on screen that doesn't have to feel like a romantic yes. thing. Yeah. And it, it worked for this film. They make great friend couple... And then, uh, and then you bring in Shang Chi's sister later right. on. I'll struggle with that. I was like, was it a sister? I can't remember. Uh, her name is Jialing. Yep. Yeah, played by oh boy, Menger Zhang. That might be right. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna apologize if it's wrong. Yeah, very sorry. But she did amazing. I loved his sister. And yeah, she fights with. Uh, I don't know the exact name for it. It's, it's a barbed... Uh, yeah, it's not a meteor and chain, but uh, one it, side does have what the meteor would be, but it's that throwing dagger on the rope thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's awesome. And, and it's got an invincible length of rope because of magic. Yeah. And it's, it's great. And it, it allows a lot of amazing fight choreography. It's all in the movement, and, and it's just it flows so well with, with that weapon. Because you can do all these different kicks and everything. You can wrap it around your body. And it'll just lend so much to the dance of this whole thing. Yeah, and for I, sure. I want to mention the uh, the acting, uh, the, the action scenes before I forget this. It, the movie's dedicated to Bradley Allen. Uh, he was an amazing fight choreographer. He was the lead of the Jackie Chan stunt group, which is the group that worked on this. They were the fight choreographers. Um, cool. I think I wrote the other man down because it was another... I think there was another man besides Bradley Allen. Allen. No, I just sadly I just broke the the Jackie Chan stunt. But Bradley Allen is very famous stuntman because he did like Hellboy Two, Golden Army. He did Kick Ass, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's the action designer for Pacific Rim, and he's done the uh, the Kingsman films also as stunt choreographer. Like uh, just amazing filmography, and then the Jackie Chan stunt group is just wonderful also. But Cretton had uh, had tasked them, had tasked the 
object stand trunk stunt group to develop this choreography with elements of the Wushu style right. from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which he called elegant and almost ethereal, which I can agree with that. And he wanted to combine that with the kinetic fights of Jackie Chan. And job well fucking done. Like, Andy Chang, fight coordinator. That was the other guy I wanted to mention. Andy cool. Chang and Bradley Allen, together, they, they worked together to... Uh, to just create these beautiful fight scenes. And it was amazing. Because that was another thing I was worried about. With Disney uh, doing a fight film, I assumed they would like water it down or polish it way too much or make it way too CGI'd. Right. No, it was, this was a lot. This was very much... I mean, there was a lot of CGI. There was a lot of CGI, but it was uh, it was well done. Well done. And, and even the CGI elements felt real. Yes, uh, especially since there was like this um, <laughs> veil that they literally had to cross to get to that realm right. where the, the CGI was. This movie, by the way, does introduce magic into the world, um, but it also introduces multi-dimensional travel and <laughs> um, advanced ancient possibly alien technology. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was, a, it was so, a big, bold step from Yes, it definitely was. For the MCU anyways. I yeah. mean, obviously a good chunk of this stuff has had already existed in the comics. Yeah. Speaking of the comics, oh, I guess what I really want to talk about, I think, is a major spoiler. And I think it's... I think we can talk briefly about it before the spoiler wall. Okay. His father in the comics, Shang-Chi's father is a very racist, very stereotypical character called uh, Fu Manchu. Well, okay, yes. He, he was. Yeah. But when they lost, when Marvel eventually lost the rights to that, because it, that character was, I think, first written in, like, maybe 1890s? I don't know. It's yes. an old character. Yeah. After they lost the rights to that, they changed it to Jin uh, Zhu, I think, is how... It said it's uh, Z H E N G Z U with the space between uh, for the Z U. You got me. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, he also I think becomes less of an important character to the uh, Shang Chi comics. Mm -hmm. This is really just all from a brief research that <laughs> I did. Uh, because I didn't want to research before I watched the movie, and I I just right. finished watching it today. So. Right, same here. I watched it this morning. I mean, it just dropped on Disney Plus. It's been right. out in the theaters for a while, but and it was one that I wanted to see uh, in theaters, but at that moment, yeah, it was a little bit rough in our county. The uh, the numbers yeah, rough in our county when our schedules were real bad, and then by the time our schedules had cleared up. We were like, like at the halfway part before when they would just drop it on Disney yeah. Plus, anyways. Yeah, and they were so they said that they were going to drop it a whole month ago. Yeah, and, and then they hardly really pushed that to back. It. I wonder uh, if it was doing. I hope it was doing. Yeah, hopefully, it was doing. I think I saw on Instagram like a, um, a a box office comparison of the top three films, and it's like I don't know, maybe number four or something like that nice. of the nice. MCU. Which is pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. Really, I mean, it definitely was one of my favorites of the whole uh, universe so far. Yeah, which honestly, is yeah, amazing to say because what are we like twenty four films and four right. shows in? Like, right? Yeah, watching this, I was having a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, the the father character Zhu Wenwu is a, a original character created for for this movie. So, like, that was you know. There, there, there was a good sidestep from like we don't you know we we still want this to be an important part of his character but we, we right. don't want to connect ourselves to to Fu Manchu yeah uh, understandably those issues uh, and I don't know that the Ten Rings that they do exist in the uh, the canon of the Marvel comics but I don't think that they're typically connected with. Shang-Chi, I could be wrong about that. From what I read, he does have magical bracers that helps him against magical attacks, and he uh, himself does not use any magical powers. He is just the best at martial arts in nice. the world. Nice. Uh, and he can use some abilities with his key, and he used to be able to like shoot projectiles like Street Fighter, but I do, think they retcon that. Do him and Iron Fist like ever... Like, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if they have team ups or anything. I don't know. I 
I think they're setting up new Avengers. Yeah. And and definitely, I think they're definitely setting up Young Avengers, too. Yeah, okay. Well, that would be interesting. They dropped a lot of shit on Disney+. Plus. Not not shows yet, but a lot of uh, scheduled stuff coming up that I was just like, oh my god, they, yeah. got, they got crazy plans. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. I, I, I am uh, ready for it. I, I am, too. am happy with what they're doing. Uh, I think they're they're willing to use their films to change what has been done already like tweak it to make it work for the story to continue to blossom yeah with that i think we should put up a spoiler wall to, yeah, to yeah. talk about it most assuredly yo you know the drill had a minute and three seconds past the hour to avoid them spoilers so uh jumping right in Zhu Wenwu has this conversation when he first gets back into the movie uh, and is at a dinner table with Shang-Chi and Katie. And also, Zhang is there too, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she is. Um, and he talks about how he once was employed his army by a terrorist <laughs> and asked to go by the name of Mandarin and mentions like how that's funny because it's an orange. Yeah. And I thought that a was hilarious and B they're referencing Iron Man three, my biggest MCU disappointment (laughs) (laughs) to me personally, because when they, when they said they were going to do the Mandarin and we saw those, those clips from, uh, ben Kingsley, which yeah. he's amazing. He's not Chinese, and I feel like the Mandarin should have been Chinese. Right, I but agree with that. It's all been wiped under the table because of this. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, they used Trevor Slater uh, Slattery, played by Ben Kingsley, this actor, to play up this right. character of the Mandarin, and it's just it is so good. If you haven't seen. Uh, that movie, it's worth it just for Ben Kingsley as this character. Even I like even like Traveler when they finally right. get to him. But it's just, it's just the Mandarin yeah. is such a big character in the Iron Man comics. Yeah, and, and like as I mentioned before, like my only exposure to Marvel really was Spider Man, right. and I had a brief, very brief stint as a kid. Where Iron Man, the animated series, was on, like, right before Spider-Man. And the only characters that I cared about on that Iron Man show was the Mandarin. He was, like, the, right. only, the only interesting character for me. And so, yeah, I was very excited for I knew nothing about the Mandarin except for my childhood liking of this villain. And the, the, the trailer of this very realistic eco-terrorist kind of thing. It was like, oh, God, like, yeah. he, he seems very, like, eerie and ominous. And it just becomes this, like, goofy actor, Trevor. It, yeah. it felt wrong at it, the moment. It felt really, really wrong. It, it felt like, ha, 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 you guys thought we were going to do it, but we didn't. Yeah. We're doing extremists uh, instead. So, yes. And <laughs> Guy Pierce is the bad guy. So, secret review of Iron Man 3. So, we're here with Zhu Wenwu. Yeah. And he admits to being... The person, the orchestrator of that. Mm-hmm. And he has the Ten Rings of Power, which I I feel like in the comics it was the Nine Rings, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, I also don't think he was the orchestrator of that, because I think the orchestrator was Guy Pierce. The orchestrator was Guy Pierce, but he was, but Guy Pierce hired yeah, yeah. the Ten Rings, which is what he also calls his army, right, right. to to orchestrate it, to do the, all the logistical parts, because gotcha. he's because he was a businessman. <laughs> yeah, they have, they have poor Trevor locked up in the basement. Yeah. So Trevor is in this movie, too. And he, I think it's a great return for Trevor. Right. And see, again, too, I, I think it's a great return. But I was also sitting there thinking, like, what if they're using him? Like, he is there. Because uh, he becomes a tag-along for right. Shang-Chi and uh, Katie and Jialing. Yeah. He just, like, tags along with uh, this weird, faceless beast yeah. named Morris. Yeah, Sarah said he looks like a chicken nugget with wings. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He does, yeah. yeah. His name is <laughs> Morris, though. Yeah. A very chicken nugget. And Trevor is the only one that can communicate with Morris Which because they've been together for 
a number of years. So so long that <laughs> Trevor was cons- convinced that he was hallucinating yeah. Morris. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was beautiful. very well played. But I, I sat there the whole time, though, thinking that Trevor was Zuin Wu's target into getting into the village. That was like, uh, it was his plan the whole time. I, I've been just befuddled by this character that I was expecting a twist. Right. I was like, no, there's no way. He's got to be a, a actual villain now, isn't it? That's going to be the twist. No, it was, it was very, now that we're behind a, uh, a wall, you don't have to watch it with that viewpoint. You can just enjoy Trevor. Yes, just enjoy <laughs> Trevor. He's worth enjoying, I think. And I love, there's a there's a scene where they're drive, driving through the jungle and they have to follow a very specific path. Yes. And only Morris knows the path. <laughs> so only Trevor can communicate the path to them. And it's, it's, it's great. It's I, so funny. I did feel that Morris was a little bit of the Timon and Pumbaa add-in for Disney. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was that they, way. they always have that, you know? Yeah, they needed a comedic element, but I think it works really well. I do. I think it works, especially given what goes down in Talo. There's all these traditional Eastern creatures uh, like Chiron and uh, those uh, lions in the style of the, the lion statues that you come yeah. across in China. Uh but- yeah, I was just like, I saw that giant lion. I was like, that is awesome. I know. Like, great I design. Know. Oh, okay. So and I do. Very, very uh, characteristic of like what those creatures would actually look like from their culture too. So like, it yeah. like they did really good research into it. I, I think so. I think it was just beautifully done, yeah. all the creatures there. And speaking of creatures, there are two big creatures in this and they Ooh, hint yeah. they hint at both of them throughout the movie and then they have this big awesome you know like godzilla style fight yeah uh and it's awesome it, especially awesome because it's done in the daytime I yes. feel like every time a movie decides it has to have a monster fight it's a very poor monsters done in daylight or very good monsters done in darkness. And it's it's never very good monsters done in daylight. And this movie was just like, no, it's gonna it, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a little shadowy and stormy out, but like you're gonna be able to see everything. Yeah. And they and it was pretty cool too, I think, because they had this guardian dragon uh was very much done in the eastern style of dragons, the long yeah. looping snake like the best Body. style of dragon. Yes, and they're definitely a wise character. And then uh, my wife mentioned that she thought it was in- interesting that it mirrored the other creature, which was more definitely a, a Western style looking of a dragon, but also had like these Lovecraftian elements. Yeah, uh, and it was the Soul Crusher. The soul, it would, they kept they called it the. <laughs> giant soul sucker that's that's yeah. what they called it i just can't remember what's actually uh, was i can't remember something what the, some kind of like devourer or something yeah. like that yeah and, the, and it was just the guardian for the other one right maybe the soul eater something like that yeah yeah but, but it, it's all beautiful it's and good stuff the, the best part too is there's many moments where you have like that never-ending story kind of feel with the uh with the guardian where you have a very up close shot of the the head and i know it was cgi but right. it looked Great. It looks like, great. If it, it had does. been practical, that would have been amazing. Oh yeah. But the CGI still was beautiful. I love the designs around the eyes. Yeah. Uh, everything. Like there was moments where I thought it was bleeding because I thought the, the the design was. I was like, no, they had that at the beginning. Yeah. Because it, it like they it gets attacked at the eyes. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was so worried. I was like, oh no, is that blood? And I was like, no, it had that before the fight. Right. <laughs> oh, and speaking of of blood, Katie gets to save the day. Which you know, I'm kind of happy that they they didn't just make her character t- take a complete backseat right. in the third act. Uh, but like, she learns how to shoot a bow in a day, and then she shoots like an impossible an impossible shot, shot. and yeah. she's like, no way. And I didn't, I didn't like it because um, I'm, I'm happy she got to have that moment. Right. That moment took way too long to happen, too. During that whole fight scene, I'm like, shoot the fucking arrow. Shoot the fucking arrow. Yeah. Why aren't you doing anything? And then after, it was like, after five minutes, I'm like, all right, Shang-Chi, just let your sister go and stop it because Katie's definitely not doing anything. It's going on for five minutes. Like, I was getting so mad during that final, like, fun mad. I wasn't actually mad. But, uh... 
they've set her character up in the first two acts as being the driver. Right, yeah. And, and a I really damn to, good one. Yeah, I wanted yeah. that to come back to fruition, but the, I mean, that bus scene was awesome. I just wanted more of that. Exactly. The bus scene was fun, and then she, like, they set her up immediately because she's a valet with, uh, with, Shang-Chi, and she loves driving those fast cars, so it's like she knows her shit. She is a good driver. They, they should have just used that. She should have. They should have figured out a way to incorporate her just, like, driving a car into the thing or something. Right, like, yeah. It, it would have been great, because that's what you have set up. And then, no, she she learns this impossible... She could have. But, like, she, and, and it just bothers me, because I, I'm, I'm gonna be that stickler. Archery is hard to fucking learn. Yeah. It is a damn tough skill. And I don't care if you're an instant shot, even the green arrow took years to figure that shit out. Uh-huh. And she shoots this impossible shot over miles. Yeah. And with heavy wind. It, it because seems these are, like miles anyways. Yeah. And, and it's over heavy wind because these are two giant fucking beasts fighting in the air. Yeah. They're definitely fl- like using something to mess with the air fluctuation. They're, to be fair, though, all the weapons that were used by the villagers were made with the guardians dragon scales yeah, yeah, yeah. so maybe that increased her scale her yeah it just she wanted, attuned to it it, it wanted to find its yeah. home and the creature had the soul of the guardian almost in it at that time period so it was like mommy <laughs> <laughs> oh look must save mommy ah <gasps> uh, no, but it's it's nothing to get uh terrible to like really affect this movie because no. overall I'm assuming the wall is dropped now and I think we were we were good and relieved of our spoilerly yes. bits yes I wholeheartedly enjoyed this film uh, easy three and a half stars definitely top five favorite Marvel movies if not top three I can't oh, yeah. like I haven't actually thought about all the films there's too many of them now but like easily is beautiful like it's just the action's great yeah, the the sci-fi is fucking. The sci-fi, the the effects are great, and I fucking love Shang Chi. Like, I want more of him. I want yeah, more of his I family. Do. I do. I definitely do. And it's just, it was so different from the other Marvel movies, right? And, and you know, other Marvel movies can be that can be said about them as well. But I just really liked the flavor that this added to the world. And they're not gonna bring back the same Danny Rand. I don't think. But maybe they'll do something with Iron Fist and yeah. Shang-Chi. That That'd would be, be interesting. Yeah, bring in more um, martial arts elements, please. Yes, I love martial it's cool. Arts. And, you know, there's a lot of that in the Marvel comics. And I feel like it's kind of died down after the fever for that yeah. crash. I feel, I feel like a lot of it, too, is with, with my love for martial arts is with a lot of superheroes, you see them like, you know, like with Thor, for example. He does things that's like, there's no way I can ever do this. And he just calls, <laughs> he calls down lightning. He's a beefcake god. Like, you just see him and it's like, not relatable. Uh, you know, it's just like, I love it. But, but these people, they're just, I mean, there are mythical elements and, you know, some of the, the fight choreography is impossible because they're like levitating or bringing, right. using the wind and everything. Yeah. But like, it, this is something you can go out into the park and, you know, like there are groups that meet up that yeah. you can learn like any of these kind of fighting styles. It's, it's, you know, with, with practice, you can do this and yeah. watching and how this movie captures that on camera it's beautiful. You like you yeah. see them do this stuff, and it's like I can definitely do this, or I can definitely look foolish in my apartment doing like the hand right. and everything. Yeah, yeah, I could pretend to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's so well ca- captured. Like, uh, so I will say, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Once again, I would be tempted to give it a face and a half, but I kind of want to watch it again before I decide that. I, like I said, I just finished it. And when I finished Dune, I probably would have said face and a half, and I stepped back right. on that, too. So, I think I'm doing the same thing for this movie. It's damn close if it's not, and maybe I'll retroactively say on an episode that I changed my mind or something. Right. Because, honestly, I really liked it, and I would very much watch it again. Yeah. More but, of this, please, Marvel. More of this. Yeah. So, yeah. now for the hardest question of them all. Right. Who who won the stay or go? So very similar stories, so very similar uh, viewpoints from both of us. You know, four stars, face and a half. Well, maybe we'll step it back three and a half. Right. You know, face. It's it's 
Same story. They're very hard to choose, but I'm giving it to Dune. Again, I was biased going in, so that's a part of it. I love Denis Villeneuve, who's one of my favorite directors. Yeah. And it's I'm giving it to Dune specifically because it is an artist's vision fully realized, and the scope of it is so amazing that my jaw was literally dropped right when credits rolled with Dune. I was just so fucking wild by it. And I was wild by Shang-Chi, but not in the same way as Dune. Like, right. Dune hit me in a, in a great place as a It as does a definitely hits different. Uh, I don't know. It's really, really hard for me because... And I think I've decided I'm actually going to give it to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Nice. Because... I don't know what the second half of the Dune right is. Yeah, Dune is definitely like. it's definitely uh leaning on on that. It's gotta land. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta land. Because if it's like super dog doo doo, then yeah. the, if it's, the if way it's David Lynch's eighties film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, people I, who love the eighties film. I kinda like it. I I've all I've only, I've only seen it, it once. Yeah. So. I watched it as a kid, so I, I don't remember it very well. But like I like David Lynch a lot, so I would definitely probably rewatch it and enjoy it a lot. But I do think that I like this one better than that. Oh, one. Oh, easily, yeah. It's just so beautiful. Uh, and, and you know, so maybe after I see Dune Part Two, uh, I will be like, okay, yeah, that movie definitely should have won over. Well, he he, as long as he's Shang-Chi. attached, I have full confidence it's gonna land. He has literally not made a single movie that I've not been impressed with. Like, this is true. Yeah, Prisoners, Sicario, Arrival, Dune, Blade Runner 2049, like, all of them have rocked the fucking world. Like, Sicario was the one that I was like, I'm not gonna like this, it's about, you know, right. narcotics. I, I, I haven't even watched it, because I... Yeah, you'll love it. It's, it's. I mean, Benicio Del Toro and, uh, I think Josh Brolin, phenomenal. So good. good. review. Yeah. Of Sicario. Don't watch the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch Sicario. (laughs) Well, I I think that's our show. Yeah, and I'm happy we both chose the other movie. Yeah, yeah. And I'm probably honestly would have picked Dune if you picked Sean. (laughs) Right. It's just it it feels right because both of them are worth it. Yeah, they're good. So stay and go. Yes, I have been the uh, Green Traveler from Gorsh, and I am the Faceless Leon. Safe travels, and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash green and faceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.